back to the Nutramedical Report, and Ann Morrison is here a little early this week, but we'll be rebroadcasting her show on second hour on Fridays as well, so you get a double hit this week, week uh, Ann. Uh, okay. We've got lots of stuff to cover today, and of course we'll do a video, if not today, then perhaps tomorrow before we, the week has ended. Uh, these videos are getting a lot of popularity because we're simulcasting now on live stream, YouTube, iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, etc., etc., and it's blasting all over the place. We're getting tremendous response from people that want to know this kind of information that's very unique from your uh, twiland.info uh, blog, and I think a lot of the information you cover and the way you teach it is very unique and very, uh, I would say, remarkable. So let's get started with the top issue. Well, I have uh, <clears throat> I have some top issues, all right, but let's start with uh, Zika. There, uh, the scientists are starting their second round Phase two of vaccine trials. And um, phase one is where you do animal trials. And you're supposed to be looking at, at, uh, well, whether they survive or not. You usually use animals that are uh, close to the human models. And uh, and you look to see if there's any side effects. In the first part of the phase two, uh, they're going to vaccinate 90 healthy volunteers. And you have to be a volunteer, and you have to be healthy. And uh, what they're going to, why they're going to do that is they want to look at uh, what the optimal dose is in the injection site. You know, maybe it goes in your butt, maybe it goes in your arm, maybe who knows. Right. Are there any specific the, markers they're looking for, like antibody <laughs> levels, or uh, besides the clinical response, anything else that they're looking for that are going to test in blood? They have not. Uh, well. The first part, they'll vaccinate 90 healthy volunteers. Uh, that's to determine an optimal dose in injection sites. So that's what they'll be looking for is uh, their response to the vaccine and uh, trying to pick out the uh, the dosage and where they should put it in the person. Right. Or maybe they'll have it like the polio vaccine where you drink it again. The right. second part of phase two will enroll... Uh, 2,400 healthy volunteers, and uh, they are going to be in areas with potential or active Zika transmissions. So uh, some of them will be from the United States, uh, also Puerto Rico, Brazil, and Peru. And they're going to either receive the vaccine or a placebo. Right. So you know that, uh, you know, it's a double-blind study. And they will observe them over nearly two years to compare infection rates um, excuse me, among the vaccinated and unvaccinated participants. It's lunchtime here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can tell you're, you're, you're... That's okay. It's actually pleasant to hear them in the background. They're happy. Uh, please okay. continue. Yeah, the 100 million Phase two trial has been fully funded. So right. uh, even though um, the president has cut the budget to the National Institutes of Health, um, it won't affect this round of testing. So they're good for the next two years. Yeah, I don't think that's a good and, idea to cut the budget, but I do think that there's some other hmm. markers. I'll just mention one that is a research marker. You can make uh, antibodies against uh, the, uh, say, the Zika virus itself uh, and uh, show a, uh, an antibody against the T lymphocytes to activated to kill the Zika virus. And you can measure the population volume 
by measuring a 4-deoxyglucose tagged antibody against the T lymphocytes that actually will attack the Zika. And you can make that so you can actually, in uh, the live person or animal, you can determine the amount of T lymphocyte activity. It's not just the antibody level that counts, it's whether or not you get activated T lymphocytes. That when you get a re-exposure or an exposure to the organism, you'll get an increase or an anamnestic population increase in volume and number and that volume number actually is directly correlated with the decrease in infectivity or pathogenicity. Um, they're not doing this, and unfortunately, they're just kind of doing the old-style clinical trials they did 50 years ago, where they kind of say, how many less get infected, et cetera, et cetera. There's probably a lot of other factors that could be uh, affected there. The main thing, I think, is you need biological markers that they can compare, no matter what the genetics, just to say, hey, the population amount increased by this much in this population, and... And then you can cross-correlate with infectivity rates and disease rates and symptoms. But I think we need better biological markers. Uh, that's just my Well, opinion. I don't know. You know, I'm not involved in the study, and I, I'm not that Yeah, I'm just saying it, what they're doing basically is the same as what I was taught back 40-some years ago, which isn't, in other words, the science is not advancing in terms of the vaccine uh-huh. testing strategy. It's the same as they used to back in the 70s. Well, I too, I have, uh, I have another... I have another article, and uh, I'm going to make a comment about uh, the millennials in, uh, in scientific studies. Okay. <clears throat> anyway, uh, uh, Fauci, Dr. Fauci, is the head of the NIH, right. and he said that the virus has or will become entrenched in the Americas. Uh, and so uh, the risk for pregnant women and their partners who uh, live or travel in uh, the Americas is far from over. They do not want a repeat of what happened in Brazil, and they're trying to avoid that. Currently, uh, we they're saying that we have 38,303 people in the U.S. territories with Zika and 5,182 people in the continental. I, um, I think they mean contiguous right. U.S., and uh, as of mid-March, the end of 2015 until uh, mid-March 2017, so it's over a year, 1,617 pregnant women in the U.S. had laboratory evidence of Zika virus infection. Right. And they think that at least one out of five of those will bear a Zika baby. Uh, That's pretty catastrophic. Uh, yes, that yeah. Let me give oh, a. Did uh, you hear uh, what? You go ahead. Did you hear what Texas did? No. Texas, you know, Texas has been trying to avoid aborting. Uh, oh. They want. Avoid the. Uh, but the federal court, what well, it looks like the uh, CDC or the you know the current administration is going to tell them is that uh, doctors are to lie to women who have abnormalities in their fetus. You're kidding me. No, I'm not kidding you. It was on the and news that's last not, that's night. Not, that's not defensible in medical ethics. I understand that. It's supposed to be between the doctor and the person. Yeah, well, the government inserts itself. It's always bad, which is why the Obamacare was so bad, because it inserted government. Uh, I want to provide a simple solution to Zika. Number one, 
If you take our Allison Med, the thiol compounds make sure that no biting insect of any kind, including, by the way, we're having an explosion worldwide of Lyme and Lyme-like parasites. There's 34 Lyme-like parasites in the Northern Hemisphere, North America, and Europe. These are the direct trigger for multiple sclerosis. We know that now. We know also Lyme and Lyme-like parasites can trigger chronic rheumatoid and other types of inflammatory autoimmune arthritis. And now that Zika virus is becoming endemic, it's interesting that biting insects won't even go near you if you have Allison Med in your body. Number two, we have the Edgar Casey monoatomic iodine. We have the only manufacturer in the world that makes it for us. And number three, we have what I designed personally, our Nutrisilver, Silver, which is an Angstrom hydrogenated silver in a liposomal enzymatic envelope, so it's in its lethal form immediately, and it's really powerful. If people just simply took the Allison Med and maybe took one or two of the others, they can't get infected, whether it's sexually transmitted or otherwise, because these intracellular pathogens, and you can't develop drug resistance from these three antipathogenics. You can't. Now, our Nutri uh, Defense, I designed years ago because I knew pandemics were coming. This is way back before 2005. And it blocks the receptor binding domain for all viruses, disrupts the viral capsule of all RNA and DNA viruses, and blocks the Fenton reaction because the Fenton reaction, which is related to depend on iron, blocks it so pathogens, and especially viruses and intracellular pathogens, cannot enter tissue. So uh, these kind of simple measures, if people just took took them, if they're going to the Americas and just simply took Allison Med and maybe Nutrisilver, they're not going to get infected, and they can. They should be probably doing before they travel <clears throat> some kind of PCR test to say, hey, I am negative now, and then coming back and giving personal responsibility to people, not just the public health authorities, because obviously public health are sloppy, aren't they? So, uh, and uh, simple screening tests like our Metapathia scanner, if they were in every airport and every port of entry, because 40% of people that come to America come by flights, the Metapathia scan can pick up the harmonic resonance of the pathogens in your body, no matter where they are, whether in your endocervix or your your bone marrow, which, by the way, can cause megakaryocyte dropout and a plombocytopenia, and you can bleed to death years later because your bone marrow collapses. So people need to start realizing these pandemics, this is end, E-N-D, times. If people don't get it, that there's multiple plagues coming and it's going to really devastate the human population and ability to reproduce, they're not paying attention. And the public health authorities are using technologies and means of screening and even vaccine development that's out of date by 50 years. It's unfortunate. Yes, it is unfortunate. Um, but uh, we want to get the word out, and you just did that. Okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. the, uh, they, have, they have a study here. Uh, Zika mosquitoes are now in 129 cities in California, 129 oh, yeah. cities. Yeah, in fact, I, I live in uh, North County, San Diego, and they're completely freaked out of their cotton-picking mine now. And the reason is because they had so much rain. We've had the biggest damn mosquitoes. We used to never know mosquitoes. I've been here nine years in California, and we never saw mosquitoes. These guys here are like Texas-style mosquitoes. They're big suckers. <laughs> I mean, they come in with a yeah. proboscis like, hey, I'm, I'm the local mosquito nurse. I'm going to take some blood. It's like, yep, damn. Yeah. They're big. They're, these are not little mosquitoes. These have been on, they're like mosquitoes from the Isle of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> now, you understand that people who get Zika, uh, only uh, 18% of them are symptomatic. Yeah. So there's a lot of people out there who are carrying the Zika virus who are not uh, exhibiting any symptoms and can pass on the Zika virus to other people they know. Right. Now, 
the hot zones in California for Zika uh, are in the heavy tech immigration flows. So there's 155 in Silicon Valley and 150 in Silicon Beach. Where is Silicon Beach? I have no idea. I don't know where Silicon Beach is. I I guess it's probably not too far from Silicon Valley. (laughs) It's probably got a lot of high-tech companies right near the beach, so you can go get a tan and then go back and play on your computer. (laughs) Now, now they say that uh, the vaccine uh, testing, the first phase of the first part of the second phase, will begin in Miami and San Juan, Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Okay, the the results won't be available until late this year, and uh, even so, uh, the vaccine will not be uh, widely available for at least another two years. Now they will use it on an emergency basis if you if you um, uh, have the correct currency. How right. about that? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Now let's go to H seven and nine. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sometimes I just. I have to throw in a little humor. Oh yeah, well, you have to, if you run into crying towels, you got to do a little humor because it's like shocking, even if you're sitting down. It's shocking, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know that that's true, which is what makes it funny. Anyway, H seven N nine. There's another H seven N nine epidemic with possible HP highly pathogenic avian influenza isolates, and. Uh, I have a, uh, a picture here. I don't know if you're looking at it, but his grave salts. And it has a timeline across the bottom. Right. So I'm just, I'm just going to mention a few of these. In 1918, of course, we had the Spanish flu, the H1N1 influenza. They killed uh, 50 million. And then in uh, 1981, we had HIV, which killed greater than 30 million. And... Um, then in 2009, we had the swine flu, H1N1, a greater than 15,000 deaths. And um, then in 2013, we had the avian flu, H7N9. And so far, we've only had 44 deaths. So <clears throat> this H7N9, even though the public health risk is low, uh, could become a pandemic virus. And uh, they are cautioning us, even though it's epidemic in China right now, it is not uh, pandemic. Well, it is pandemic. It's gotten out of China. It's gotten into some of the other Southeast Asian nations. But they do not want it to become um, pandemic in the Americas, of course. Yeah. Now, the three characteristics that make uh, one of these viruses bad, one is is it persists, which means it can stay in a fomite form, for many hours. The second is that the infectivity, the ability to bind to the receptor binding domain has all the gene complex to be bind to all five receptor binding domain sites. And uh, the third is that it grows deep in the lungs. In other words, it likes to multiply deep in the lung tissue, so it usually rapidly causes a, what's called a DLCO or alveolatorial blockade, and you get hypoxic really fast. Like in 1918, the nurses, they actually have old pictures where nurses running around with oxygen tanks and somebody, she'd pink somebody up and then run to the next tank on the next gurney because they had them laid, laid out like in a giant warehouse kind of thing. And she'd run from one person to another trying to pink them up. It was weird. Yeah, what they taught us in CERT, which is the community emergency uh, management team, 
training was that uh, when you were doing your your uh, tri- tri- triage, yeah. that you put the you put the people head to foot, so that when the doc- doctor starts the head and and then goes down and examines all the way to the feet, and then he's ready. He doesn't have to run back up the line to get to the next person. So uh, maybe I didn't see anything like that in any of the 1918 photos. No, no, they're all just kind of laid out in gurneys. They really didn't know. They hadn't had an experience of something like that before. And, of course, yeah. the way the virus create, was created was they uh, actually formed a recombinant because they're making a, a typhus vaccine, and they had a recombinant in pig blood in pigs at Fort Lupton, Kansas. And when they flew the the military from Fort Lupton to, to Spain, many of them got sick, and even some of them died as soon as they arrived in Spain with the, quote, Spanish flu. That's why it's called Spanish flu, because that's where it seemed to arise, but it's actually originated on Fort Lupton, Kansas, for making a typhus vaccine. So it was basically just like when we make a, an, a, an attenuated vaccine. And one of the latest things I've got a report on is apparently... They've added, um, they've added a uh, another component to the MMR vaccine. It is the, uh, believe it or not, it's the uh, vaccine against uh, uh, chickenpox. So uh, somehow they snuck it into the MMR vaccine. I don't know why they did it because apparently uh, this is kind of unethical because you don't want to give a chickenpox vaccine to little kids. Exactly. But they well, did apparently uh, getting complications too. So. The vaccine industry kind of gets away with a lot of stuff, and the vaccine court gives a lot of leeway to vaccine manufacturers to cause mayhem and to get away with it. All right. Well, uh, Hong Kong uh, has banned import of poultry meat and products from Pickens County, Alabama, and Chat—I was going to say Chattanooga County. I think it's Chattooga County, Georgia. And uh-huh. uh, I have a map there that shows there are no. They've got little red dots on it, but I added the little red dots. And those were the farms where, uh, those were all the farms that I could find that had been identified as having uh, either uh, the highly pathogenic avian influenza H7N9 or the low pathogenetic. And you notice that Georgia is uh, way over in the middle of the state as well as up by Alabama. So... Uh, they're still saying, now this is, okay, this, this is what they're saying. They're saying, well, we know that wild birds migrate in the spring. And they're coming up from Mexico, and uh, they're, they're, uh, uh, they're, making, they're making messes uh, by these uh, chicken farms. And uh, that's why we have this H7N9 uh, North American uh, flu outbreak. Well... We haven't heard about an H7N9 avian flu in Mexico at all. Right. And it's easy. You go down, scoop up some uh, wild bird fecal matter and put it under an electron microscope. If you don't see anything and you can't culture it out. I don't know why they come up with uh, this. sounds like a Susan Rice story. You know, Maybe it, uh, maybe they're <laughs> talking about the Susan Rice school of, of malignant lying. How's that? Yeah. I would think so. Good. You've probably heard about all the great benefits of goat milk soap. But did you know, some companies take shortcuts. At Old New England Soap, we make our organic goat's milk soap using 36% goat's milk. That's 17% more than most others. Our bars are larger. 
so they last longer, producing lots of lather packed with vitamins. And our soap is a natural moisturizer that smooths dry and damaged skin. Order online at oldnysoap.com. That's oldnysoap.com. You've tried the rest. Now try the best. Oldnysoap.com. Water-based soaps on supermarket shelves use harsh chemical acids to break down dead skin cells. And that's just not good for you. At Old New England Soap, our soaps are made without chemical ingredients, contain no alcohol or petroleum products, and use 85% organic materials and carry the USDA's organic certification. Try some today. Go to oldnesoap.com. That's oldnesoap.com. Oldnesoap.com. It's time for you to have your own custom smartphone app for your business and pay way less than you can imagine. Introducing the I Can Get To Silent Salesman mobile marketing app, a global mobile marketing and communication tool for your business. Go to appsapart.com and learn how you could earn up to $36,351 or more per month just by inviting two people or less into a $14.95 per month program. Go to appsapart.com and be sure to watch the video at the top of the site and listen to the audio message from the CEO near the bottom. This is something you won't want to miss. Go to appsapart.com now or call 646-860-9540. That's 646-860-9540. Get the I Can Get Too. That's I-C-A-N-G-E-T, the number two, silent salesman app at appsapart.com. That's A-P-P-S-A-P-A-R-T dot com. Are you still looking for that one iodine that you can really trust? A medical doctor-endorsed product that is backed by honest research and true integrative science. Then search no further. Go to Nutramedical.com for Dr. Bill Deagle's Nutriodine, proven time and time again to be the very best iodine available for you. Nutriodine is the only Tesla-activated monatomic plasma iodine in the world. It optimizes mitochondrial function and generation of new mitochondria from totally neutral the venom from a desert recluse spider bite in Southern California to eliminating malaria parasites reported by medical missionaries in Central India. Dr. Bill's Nutriodine is simply the most powerful healing formula there is. Nutriodine clears the body of all known pathogens, restores it to an alkaline state, and even promotes stem cell regeneration. Order Dr. Bill's Nutriodine today at 888-212-8871 or visit us online at Nutramedical.com. Report here about Georgia and H7 in uh, commercial flocks. What, what's the story? Well, you know, Hong Kong has said they don't want any uh, poultry products or poultry 
from uh, <clears throat> certain counties in Alabama and Georgia. So uh, Georgia is the largest poultry producing state in the in the country, mm-hmm. and uh, so they put uh, commercial they put surveillance zones around the breeder flock in Alabama's Coleman County, and uh, then the Georgia uh, official and it's the agricultural and commerce uh, head, and he says. Uh, that you cannot move your, nobody in Georgia can move their chickens or their poultry, uh, and you cannot even exhibit them, like at a 4-H fair. And uh, uh, they they can be, uh, the assembly of poultry to be sold has to be approved by the state veterinarian. Wow. Well, that's good and they have tight so, regulations like that, because... Obviously, they know that this could be catastrophic because it must be a big part of their economy if they're the number one poultry producer in the U.S. Yeah, they know what has to be done. The order prohibits all poultry exhibitions, sales at regional and county fairs, festivals. (laughs) You can tell they were reaching out. Swap meets, live bird markets, flea markets, and auctions. And you cannot uh, collect them. And, in fact, all of the uh, owners of poultry flocks have to have them in a covered coop. You cannot let them uh, just be field-free anymore. Wow. So uh, the commissioner's in Georgia, and uh, they uh, it's, it's in Baldwin County. It's in the middle of Georgia. They they heard about, uh, they they got a briefing, and um, they're, they're the one that's spreading the rumors that this uh, avian influenza is spread by migratory birds and comes out of Canada in the fall. There's no H7N1 in Canada. Believe me, if they had H7N9, I mean, not H7N1, H7N9 in Canada, we'd know about it. And uh, anyway, as uh, uh, Joan said, Georgia is the fourth leading producer of poultry in the world. So wow. uh, no, non-commercial chickens, like if you have a backyard flock, cannot be moved. And uh, all of them chickens, this is what he's quoted as saying, have to be in a covered coop until this order is rescinded. And what that means is we don't want free-range chickens having the chance to interact with migratory fowl. Wow. So so it's very, very serious. And if you don't, uh, if, you, if people don't understand that, uh, you know, if they don't, well, you know, we have commerce, and we want to ship the chickens to China because they're our biggest, our biggest uh, uh, partner in that. And uh, so that means we have to have biosecurity measures, and uh, the uh, biosecurity measures have been stepped up. And Georgia is saying, well, we're going to step them up another level. In fact, now you can't even move your flock. You have to have it in a covered coop. You, you know, it's just, it just is going to be very, very uh, strict until they find out how these uh, chicken farms are getting uh, access to the H7N9. But, you know, I still think it's the Chinese New Year. I think the Chinese New Year, the people who went over there and uh, were eating chicken, that chicken is one of their 
primary foods at that time of year with right. their families. I think they just brought it back on their clothing or their shoes or their Oh, yeah. Their bodies. I, I think, as I say, when you hear hoofbeats, it's usually uh, horses and not zebras. I'm going to tell you something really astounding this next time. Sounds good. Really astounding. In other words, they better get their uh, seat backs and tray tables and they locked it up right position and their, and their seat belt on. I don't know what it is, so you're going to shock me too. <laughs> Back in a minute with that. Uh oh. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Without the right accessories, any guy can be off the mark. Whether you've invested thousands in your arsenal or you own a single trusted firearm, a visit to aroutfitting.com is in order. It's one of the finest online selections of tactical optics and AR parts and add-ons, like EOTech, quick target acquisition with no peripheral loss. Browse the full range of Nikon scopes and binoculars. aroutfitting.com can illuminate your world with streamlight gun-mounted lights from keychain to large handhelds up to 1,100 lumens. Find some stability with Battenfield Tactical Bipods. AirOutfitting.com has CMMG gun parts, barrels, assemblies, handguards, part kits, and more. Plus magful clips and magazines. I know I've got you excited, so take a breath. Head to AirOutfitting.com. The site's super easy to navigate and features a ton of technical info, including links to manuals. We also welcome vendor and manufacturer inquiries. Remember, if you don't see it, we can get it at AirOutfitting.com. You've probably heard about all the great benefits of goat milk soap. But did you know, some companies take shortcuts. At Old New England Soap, we make our organic goat's milk soap using 36% goat's milk. That's 17% more than most others. Our bars are larger, so they last longer, producing lots of lather packed with vitamins. And our soap is a natural moisturizer that smooths dry and damaged skin. Order online at oldnesoap.com. That's oldnesoap.com. You've tried the rest. Now try the best. oldnesoap.com. Water-based soaps on supermarket shelves use harsh chemical acids to break down dead skin cells. And that's just not good for you. At Old New England Soap, our soaps are made without chemical ingredients, contain no alcohol or petroleum products, and use 85% organic materials and carry the USDA's organic certification. Try some today. Go to oldnesoap.com. That's oldnesoap.com. Oldnesoap.com. Do you have difficulty taking supplements? Are you searching for a high-quality, complete nutritional drink that your whole family will love? Nutramedical's Life Support has arrived. All of your daily nutritional requirements in one quick, delicious drink. Dr. Bill Deagle's Life Support is a proprietary blend of vegan protein, activated vitamins, essential minerals, amino acids, probiotics, green tea, digestive enzymes, anti-inflammatories, cancer prevention, detoxification, and much more. Your body will high-five you for this one. Life Support is the best complete nutritious meal replacement on the market. Whether you are an elite athlete, have post-operative challenges, chronic illness, elderly, or a family that just wants a quick, delicious drink, try Dr. Bill Deagle's Life Support for optimized nutrition in one great-tasting smoothie. Just add cold water, almond milk, fruit, or anything else you like. Nutramedical's Life Support. Try our great-tasting chocolate or vanilla today. Call 888-212-8871 or visit us online at Nutramedical.com. Nutramedical.com for the whole family. Homeowners, are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? 
A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Call toll-free 1-855-2-KEEP-IT. That's 1-855-2-KEEP-IT today. Welcome back, and you've got uh, a shocking story here, kind of uh, a little complicated, but you've got lots of pictures, which we'll do video that will explain it better. Uh, tell us about this, because they're doing some genetic engineering at the University of Illinois. What's the story? Well, the story is they want to uh, change the ecology that we have, that has been developed over thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of years to keep humans alive, and they want to change it. And they want to change it at the plant level. So uh, there are, for instance, we all learned about the water cycle when we were in fifth or sixth grade. Uh, precipitation comes down, it, it uh, runs into the surface, it goes into the groundwater, and uh, the plant roots carry that uh, water into the plant leaves right. where uh, photosynthesis occurs, and then... Uh, the process where it finishes photosynthesis and it it transpires it's called transpiration it sends right. the water that came up from the roots back into the air and when we had a drought here in 2012 uh, that stopped because the, the plants uh, a lot of them died because they they had nothing to trans to transpire. There was no water. And right. so when they say that a drought feeds on a drought, we saw that firsthand. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, so uh, what, the, what the leaf does is that it takes the sunlight, and uh, the leaf has things that are called stomatas, and essentially they are uh, airways into the interior part of the leaf where the photosynthesis takes place. So the uh, water rises from the roots and uh, uh, does its work with, uh, with the sunlight, the photosynthesis, and then it exits through exits, <laughs> exits through one of these stomata. So this is water, and that's called transpiration. That's where the, the water from the ground, from the roots, actually goes back into the air. Right. Now, carbon dioxide is also involved in photosynthesis, and it reacts with the water and the sunlight. And it stays in the leaf or in the plant. And right. so it's one way of capturing uh, carbon. And, uh, but uh, also involved in photosynthesis 
<clears throat> is oxygen. And uh, oxygen is made by the leaf, and it exits through uh, one of the stomata, and uh, that is, and then also the water uh, exits. So you yeah, have so we, water and oxygen. Yes, yeah, so you're talking about the carbon it, oxygen cycle. So plants take CO2, and they're the opposite of us, and they generate oxygen. And so, yeah, that's important to know that. So the plant carbon oxygen cycle is where they're going to try to do some manipulation, is what you're saying. Exactly. You got it right. Yes. Uh, they what they they know that uh, during drought, transpiration stops <laughs> because the stomata close up, and because they're under stress. Uh, you know, it's either too hot or there's not enough water or something. So the, essentially, the plant uh, just it begins a different cycle, uh, a cycle of. They're trying to preserve the plant. The plant is trying to preserve itself, and in doing that, it keeps the oxygen inside of it, and uh, the water and uh, the carbon dioxide doesn't get in. Oh, okay. so in other words, the photosynthesis is shut down by a drought, is what you're saying. By stress, yeah, yeah on stress. the plant. Yeah. Okay. Now, what they want to do, there are, uh, there's two, there's, Two, at least two cycles involved in photosynthesis inside the leaf. And I'm sorry to use a, <laughs> a large syllable word like photosynthesis, but I think we all learned it in fifth or sixth grade. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> the, the C3 cycle, it's also called the Calvin cycle, uh, it, it, uh, uh, CO2 is reduced and, uh, and it's used to make sugar. So this is a way to reduce carbon. Right. And it's reduced to carbohydrates, which are sugar. And uh, then in the Calvin cycle, which is the normal cycle, not the stressful cycle. Right. And, uh, oh, I'm sorry, that is the, the carbon, uh, the Calvin Yeah, uh, the generates, cycle. generates uh, sugar, yeah. And they say uh, that they call it C3 because, because it's easy for for them to say that rather than Calvin cycle. <laughs> no, there's, there's a reason why. Then they have the hatch and stack cycle, and it's an alternative pathway that takes place during uh, when the plant is under stress or during the dark phase of photosynthesis. And uh, what happens is that uh, in the process, uh, the carbon dioxide becomes fixed inside the plant leaf and uh so it's called it was it was uh described you can you can look it up on the internet but for the calvin cycle uh the c3 cycle calvin cycle operates in all plants and it uh it uh it makes a single carbon dioxide fixation and uh, it is uh it uh the um, it cannot operate under very low carbon dioxide concentrations, and uh, oxygen actually has an inhibitory effect on photosynthesis. We don't have that problem today because we are lacking we're lacking oxygen. We have too much carbon dioxide. Yeah, the oxygen uh, has dropped worldwide from ni- twenty one to nineteen percent on the whole planet. Not yeah, sunlight <clears throat> reaches the saturation point. Right. And it occurs in in the plants 
that we eat to get our carbohydrates. Now, the hatch and stack slack cycle, the C4, it only operates in C4 plants. So, first thing to remember is we have C3 plants, which is all the plants, and then we have C4 plants, which only operates in some plants. And uh, the uh, it has a two carbon dioxide fixations, and it's fast and more efficient. And uh, so the carbon dioxide uh, uh, gets in there, and it's used twice. And it uh, what it does is that it doesn't produce sugar. It doesn't produce carbohydrates. So you know it's, it's not good for humans. Although they do, uh, they uh, maize and sorghum are C4 plants. Right. So it is used in livestock. And uh, what they want to do is they want to make a change to our food crops, especially our grains, um, <clears throat> to so that they uh, so they all so that they can operate on the C4 cycle. Oh, so they're going to do a genetic upgrade to take C3 plants and make them C4 plants, but then they don't generate oxygen. They just grow better. And they don't generate carbohydrates. Wow. We don't get any energy. Yes. Now, isn't that a showstopper? Yeah, in other words, okay, repeat that again just so everybody gets it. They grow faster, but they don't produce oxygen. What's the other thing they don't produce, it, which is? Glucose, sugar. Right. So, so we don't get any energy. Yeah. Right. People so are, are, we yeah. don't build our own sugar. We, we eat it in plants, and it gets incorporated into our digestive system. And sometimes it ends up as fat, but, but it's supposed to give us energy. <clears throat> yeah, now there is a liver one-carbon pathway that glucagon stimulates in, at night, especially, especially in diabetics, that glucagon will convert your protein through the one-carbon pathway to sugar. But it's... Except in diabetics, is not very efficient. So your blood sugar can hit the floor if you don't have sugar coming in your diet or carbohydrates, complex carbohydrates. So uh, yes. So so what what what's the most major danger that this is going to do to the biosphere by introducing C4 genetics to C3 plants in our food sources? Well, we have grown up over the last <clears throat> thousands of years with a certain ecology. And uh, we all know about uh, dome, dome ecology, right. especially with our spacecraft and everything right. else. We know that we need certain plants. We need certain animals. I mean, humans need protein, need animal protein, and uh, uh, plant carbohydrates. And uh, what is the third thing that's on that list that we're supposed to eat? <laughs> and, uh, well, min- and minerals, minerals, too. Minerals, too. Yeah. And... Uh, <clears throat> Now, so what they want to do is, instead of our grains uh, providing us with those things, those carbohydrates that we need, they won't. So they want they to just—they want them only to provide protein and minerals, but no carbohydrates and no oxygen. Mm. Now that's a big problem because you remember in the dinosaur area era or the uh, giant mammal era. Uh, the plants were huge. There's a lot of carbon dioxide, and the plants grew really tall. <laughs> but uh, 
And so when the plants uh, operated on the C4 cycle, they had a lot of carbon dioxide that they could take in and use. And then the plant, the plant eaters would eat those. But um, uh, we're, we're heading towards that now because we do have a lot of carbon dioxide in the air and we have less oxygen in the air that we breathe. But that doesn't mean that we're going to be able to survive. People who, the things that survived back there in those ages were not humans. They were, they were uh, for the most part, they were vegetarians. You know, they were eating the plants. And they right. were not, yeah, okay. So, the, uh, so they weren't producing oxygen, and, uh, but they were taking the carbon dioxide out of the air. And the, and the water was not getting uh, evaporated either. So it's like a drought feeds a drought. And if, you know, they, this is one of those things that I call a nightmare because, yeah. because we've, they, they're not taking a systems approach. They're not thinking about, okay, I live under a glass dome. What do I need in order to survive? And there are people who have done that. You know, they've gone out and done those domed homes so and they even are they just doing this to make the plant grow faster and produce more more let's say head of grain for for wheat so they'll have wheat with lower carbohydrates and higher protein but it'll grow faster but it's not going to generate oxygen now already we're killing the benthic layer of the oceans which is the top 10 meters and it produces 80 percent of the oxygen which is why worldwide our oxygen concentration has dropped two percent on the whole planet now uh, i've talked to um Bruce McKeeman, who's an expert in hyperbaric oxygen, and if you go back and look at the ancient world, uh, if you look at uh, amber, which is kind of like a, if you want to call it, it locks in little microglobules of air from the ancient world going back to the time of the dinosaurs, they had a high concentration of CO2, but they also had uh, much higher atmospheric pressure. The atmospheric pressure, uh, it's thought, before the Andaluvian flood, which occurred relatively not that long ago, was two atmospheres pressure at sea level. And uh, the magnetic field of the Earth since, since the time of Babylon has dropped by 30 times. So there's a lot of changes to the Earth that are occurring. Right now the big change to me is not only the CO2 going up but the oxygen dropping. And so it means the carbon-oxygen cycle is being hampered. And what you're saying here is besides us poisoning the phytoplankton in the ocean so they can't reproduce and turn carbon dioxide to oxygen, they're planning on doing it genetically to grow bigger, badder crops that won't convert and create oxygen, but it also will cut down the carbohydrates in the plant. Yes, exactly. Wow, that's crazy. And it's, this is all based on this carbohydrate lying thing, that carbohydrates are bad. Do you know where the highest concentration of carbohydrates and sugars in their diet is, and they have one of the lowest rates of diabetes is Sri Lanka. So it's hmm. not just, it's not just quote, sugar or carbohydrates that precipitate diabetes. But a lot of people think sugar precipitated diabetes what do you think the primary thing that causes diabetes is? It is a loss of the minerals that regulate what's called sodium potassium EPAs and the GLUT4 transporter. And the main thing that causes that is a loss of superoxidismutase. So if you actually look at what happens to diabetics and pre-diabetics, they have an increase in uh, homocysteine and they have an increase in singlet oxygen, free radical and so the underlying primary cause of diabetes is not sugar at all. Sugar is just a bystander. In fact, if you anything, it's a bystander where 
if you've got free radicals, it grabs a free radical really quickly and it glycosylates or attaches to proteins. Sugar is not, this is maybe bizarre for people, not the cause. Now, if you take mercury alkali extraction of high fructose corn syrup, you get mercury poisoning because there's three big facilities in America that make mercury alkali extraction of high fructose corn syrup for the food industry are all giving you mercury poison and mercury displaces zinc and when you displace zinc, you get a loss of superoxide dismutation, you get a surge of free radicals. So the real cause of diabetes is free radicals, period. It's not sugar. Sugar is not the cause. It's just a bystander. Just like cholesterol is not the cause of plaque. Cholesterol is the best patch, actually, for a damaged artery wall. It has it does nothing. I did research with uh, cardiologists at the Vancouver General Hospital back in 1977. I drew the bloods myself, and these Eskimos had blood cholesterols of 2,800 to 3,500 plus, 3,600, which is, you know, somewhere around like 15 to 20 times higher than normal, mm. and they had nothing wrong with them at all, nothing. They have a little pouch with seal flipper in. That was their gum. They have a little pouch, a little, you know, seal skin pouch, and they had a full little seal flipper. They loved seal, seal, seal flipper. They didn't have white man's bread or alcohol or other things, but the main thing is they didn't have mineral deficiencies. They would have... Uh, What's the the blubbers from that uh, that uh, that uh, seal up north and has really high concentrations of vitamin C? Are for example cataracts? They're basically just deficiency of vitamin C, and uh, the cross-linking of the lens in your eye is actually caused by uh, oxidative stress. So it's oxidative stress that precipitates diabetes and heart disease. It's not sugar. Sugar is just a bystander. That's the opposite of what you've been told, isn't it? Well, I, I did read uh, something to that effect recently, uh, and which surprised me because, of course, I've been told all my life, well... Mm. Yeah, it's not sugar. Eat. Sure, now, if you if you have free radicals and eat sugar, it's bad because it's going to glycosylate or change the quaternary structure of protein. So you got to cut out simple sugars, but to be honest with you, complex carbohydrates are essential to stabilize your blood sugar. What you mainly have to do is take minerals like our biotin plus and diabetes to lower insulin resistance, but the main thing is you've got to get the SOD concentration up and your peroxynitrate concentration low and your homocysteine low because it's these free radicals and toxins that cause diabetes. Diabetes is an inflammatory condition. It's not a sugar condition. Sugar is just a bystander. Interesting, hey? And when they're doing this to the air by reducing oxygen concentration and cutting carbohydrates, this is meddlesome, dangerous. Too much protein's bad for you, by the way. Yeah, too much protein's bad. And, and that's why even ancient man mainly had kind of nuts and berries and shoots and stuff. Right? Well, I know that. I know, yeah. Yeah, but, but when, you look at, when you look at actual cultures that eat high content of sugar, they don't have all the stuff. Like you go to Europe and you eat a baguette of bread and your gluten sensitivity. We're just about to launch a new product this week. We have it actually uh, be up now. It's called glutenase. It's an enzyme to get rid of gluten. And we have a gluten immune that modifies your immune system. The problem is, you see, we attach glyphosate to gluten and make it super immunogenic. And then it causes leaky gut, so then we get large molecules crossing the gut membrane into the pear patches in your gut wall and your cuffer cells in your liver. And now you get immune modulation where the body sees homologous proteins that look identical to proteins in the body like the brain like s100 protein or whatever <clears throat> so we get activated t lymphocytes that attack your own organs so we don't so, but did you know 
Some companies take shortcuts. At Old New England Soap, we make our organic goat's milk soap using 36% goat's milk. That's 17% more than most others. Our bars are larger, so they last longer, producing lots of lather packed with vitamins. And our soap is a natural moisturizer that smooths dry and damaged skin. Order online at oldnesoap.com. That's oldnesoap.com. You've tried the rest. Now try the best. Oldnesoap.com. Water-based soaps on supermarket shelves use harsh chemical acids to break down dead skin cells. And that's just not good for you. At Old New England Soap, our soaps are made without chemical ingredients, contain no alcohol or petroleum products, and use 85% organic materials and carry the USDA's organic certification. Try some today. Go to oldnesoap.com. That's oldnesoap.com. Oldnesoap.com. You've probably heard about all the great benefits of goat milk soap. But did you know, some companies take shortcuts. At Old New England Soap, we make our organic goat's milk soap using 36% goat's milk. That's 17% more than most others. Our bars are larger, so they last longer, producing lots of lather packed with vitamins. And our soap is a natural moisturizer that smooths dry and damaged skin. Order online at oldnesoap.com. That's oldnesoap.com. You've tried the rest. Now try the best. Oldnesoap.com. Water-based soaps on supermarket shelves use harsh chemical acids to break down dead skin cells. And that's just not good for you. At Old New England Soap, our soaps are made without chemical ingredients, contain no alcohol or petroleum products, and use 85% organic materials and carry the USDA's organic certification. Try some today. Go to oldnesoap.com. That's oldnesoap.com. Oldnesoap.com. What other stories do you want to cover? We've got another five minutes, and then we'll do either uh, a show later today or tomorrow, probably tomorrow uh, after the show. Uh, what topic do you want to cover next? Uh, I want to talk weather predictors, and it's the second topic down. It has a nice graphic with it. And uh, I had uh, complained last Friday, uh, second hour, about the... Uh, comment that was made about the uh, ozone hole over the Antarctic, uh, which is diminished in 2016, but was as large as it had ever been in 2015. And um, now we know that it gets larger, the ozone hole gets larger in the spring, and we're in spring now, so we should be seeing that on the North Pole. In the South Pole, we should have uh, more ozone. But uh, they said uh, 
you know, they were trying to, they didn't want to call it an outlier. I mean, there, there are no outliers. There's either poor processing or poor analytics or, you know, something's wrong with your model. And uh, so they said, well, we think it was the volcano in Chile that uh, created this ozone hole over the Antarctic. Well, I looked at that. Um, I looked at that volcano, and believe me, the uh, the ash and whatever else, the volcanic ash and the bog, the volcanic organic uh, gases, none of it got close to the stratosphere. None of it. Yeah. So in other and, words, it's not even in the right zone of the uh, stratosphere to have those kind of biological effects. So their theory can immediately be dismissed. In other words. So I dismissed their theory. Yeah. And I went back, and you remember when we had an oral, when we talked about um, neutrinos, when we talked about antimatter that was being uh, generated by the CERN um, in uh, Switzerland and France, and yes, how they were yeah. trying to make, yeah. And then we talked about the clouds and how they were looking at these flashes of blue that were occurring at the tops of thunderstorms. Yeah, like and they call no- noctilucent clouds in the uh, uh, in the high troposphere, right? Uh, yes, exactly. And uh, what happened, uh, so, but I had to behind at that time that they were creating antimatter because of the loud explosion. Yeah, you don't get that kind of I mean, usually we think of thunderstorms and we think about static electricity. Uh-huh. And uh, this was something else. Oh, we're out of time. We're out of time, but we'll have to do it. Now, uh, we'll see if we have time today. Uh, if not, then we'll do this, this show tomorrow because all of your fancy pictures and the grinning smiles of these people, they're going to rescue 200, uh, you know, feed 200 yeah. million people with the uh, saving of energy through transrespiration, man, this is kind of uh, bizarre stuff that they're doing, you know? Bizarro world. Well, you know, there's only one sin. Yeah, you know what that sin is? I got this, God. Yep. That's what these genetics are doing. I got this, God. Don't worry. I know what I'm doing. Yep. Really? I don't think so. probably heard about all the great benefits of goat milk soap. But did you know, some companies take shortcuts. At Old New England Soap, we make our organic goat's milk soap using 36% goat's milk. That's 17% more than most others. Our bars are larger, so they last longer, producing lots of lather packed with vitamins. And our soap is a natural moisturizer that smooths dry and damaged skin. Order online at oldnesoap.com. That's oldnesoap.com. You've tried the rest. Now try the best. oldnesoap.com. Water-based soaps on supermarket shelves use harsh chemical acids to break down dead skin cells. And that's just not good for you. At Old New England Soap, our soaps are made without chemical ingredients, contain no alcohol or petroleum products, and use 85% organic materials and carry the USDA's organic certification. Try some today. Go to oldnesoap.com. That's oldnesoap.com. Oldnesoap.com. This is RBN, the Republic Broadcasting Network. 